guys, we got a visual. There was straight ahead. There was three individuals. But I'm going. Oh, there, there, there. At one o'clock. It's white. There's three here. I have chills. You might be wondering what that sound is. It took me a couple listens to catch it, too. It's the sound of dolphins communicating underwater and the sound of a team of scientists celebrating an unexpected guest. We have three Rizzo's dolphins. It's very rare to see them, so this is really exciting. I'm Malika Bilal, and for today's Quick Take, we're heading to the Aegean Sea, the arm of the Mediterranean that lies between Greece and Turkey, to visit a safe space for dolphins that aims to be the first of its kind. Dolphins are very special animals. They have a very complex social structure, and they are very intelligent. That's Anastasia Melu, the subject of an Al Jazeera documentary series called Women Make Science, about her work building a marine life sanctuary in the remote turquoise waters off the Greek island of Lipsy. Since I was very young, I always loved the science of biology and nature. She leads the team that spotted the Rizzo dolphins you heard earlier. She's a hydrobiologist, someone who studies everything that has to do with bodies of water. And she's scientific director of an NGO that's monitored marine life in the Aegean for decades. She's dedicated nearly 20 years to her work there, and to dolphins in particular. When we bring animals at risk, animals from captivity, animals that are injured, they have very high chances of uh, recovery, of survival, and to have a good, healthy life while they're uh, hosted in the bay. We caught up with her near the end of her workday, on a boat in the middle of a natural bay that's nestled between strips of land with very little human footprint. She says it's the perfect space for a sanctuary, though it took her nearly six years to find. Can you describe this sanctuary and where it's located? Our only neighbor is the shepherds that have uh, organic small-scale farms of uh, with uh, livestock farms, with uh, goats and uh, sheep. And, of course, no noise pollution, no light pollution, no not the stress that the human presence puts on the marine ecosystems. And uh, it's a really diverse, hidden uh, corner of the Aegean Sea. Turning this oasis into a sanctuary is a big project, and one that's necessary, according to Anastasia. There are over 2,000 dolphins in captivity worldwide, many in parks like this. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Dolphin Days! My name is Chris, and this is our dolphin family. In fact, all of our dolphins have been born either here at SeaWorld or one of our sister parks, and their care, health, and well-being is the foundation of everything we do here at SeaWorld. They're often used to entertain an audience in an industry that profits off the confinement of marine mammals for flips and tricks. We take very smart animals with highly complex social behavior and abilities. We enclose them on tiny tanks that are supplied with fresh water that has chlorine, not even the 
seawater that they need to live naturally. They can never see the sky. They cannot really communicate because the sounds echo back within the pool and it's very painful for them to experience that. They cannot even sleep and rest as all other animals do, in a, even in captivity. Perhaps you've been to one of these parks yourself. Places where you can swim with the dolphins, watch orcas do flips, marvel at whales swimming beside their human trainers. But in addition to the upbeat music, loud applause, and well-planned shows, have come protests from activists over the treatment of the animals. Folks from PETA took to the skies to protest the theme park's treatment of sea creatures. As thousands of visitors made their way into SeaWorld Saturday, they were met with about 100 protesters. Tonight, travelers at Orlando International Airport were greeted by protesters dressed as orcas. Public opinion has changed on places like this. Why do you think that is? I think the time has come that, you know, the public in uh, Europe, in the U.S., around the world will say that this is no longer acceptable. Until um, a few decades ago, it was acceptable to put a lion or an elephant in a, a small cage with metal bars and cement floor, where that was considered, you know, educational and entertainment. So that was the zoos of the 80s and the 90s that many of us remember. If that happened today, it would generate great outcry. Anastasia's plan is to bring the dolphins from parks around Europe to be treated on-site at a new hospital. It will be a very innovative hospital. It will be as close as possible to their natural environment. So we will have an indoor section that there can be a surgery or other veterinary care that needs to be on stable land. And then there will be a large in-sea section in the sea that allows the animals to recover in an environment that is as close as possible to their natural. That will make them get better sooner so that they can be more successfully reintroduced back in the wild. The sanctuary won't just be for formerly captive dolphins. The Aegean Sea is rich in biodiversity. So Anastasia says they'll host and care for other marine wildlife that are already there and facing a different kind of threat. All of this was in the stomach. There were a ton of microplastics in there from, like, saran wrap. Scientists on Anastasia's team, like the one you just heard, have been researching the effects of plastic waste on marine life. They found plastic particles in the stomachs of fish and turtles. You can see there was a BB pellet and lots of fibers. These are huge pieces of plastic that were stuck in their stomach. 85 pieces total. Every year... About 8 million tons of plastic makes its way into the ocean. And the amount of plastic production and consumption is likely to double worldwide in the next 20 years. So Anastasia and her team are constantly monitoring the animals. We started analyzing in our microplastic lab specimens coming from fish, invertebrates, stranded marine mammals or turtles, but also coming from... uh, the seawater itself or marine sediment. 
And it was really shocking to realize that after over a thousand samples, only one had no microplastics. And even samples coming from uninhabited remote areas of the Aegean remote islets had as much microplastic pollution as had the coast close to Athens. This was a real problem that Anastasia and her team needed to address to make sure the sanctuary space would be safe. So she brought in Steve McCullough, a marine mammal consultant, to inspect the bay and determine how suitable the water might be. First of all, can I show you some footage that yes. um, that I shot here because I spent a considerable amount of time underwater. And what he found was... Even though this is such a pristine environment, we find those remnants of man, like the plastics. But there was also some positive news. For me, the water quality is based on not only these fish, but the smallest of fish, the glass minnows, the micro minnows. And you see them just flourishing in this environment. So it's a healthy ecosystem. Steve said a lot of the plastic in the water can be removed. And overall, he concluded that the location had all the environmental markings for success, paving the way for Anastasia to eventually begin welcoming dolphins. So now that you have this perfect space, what happens next? How do you actually get them to the sanctuary? First of all, the very important thing is to have them relaxed and uh, no tranquilizer not being used. You cannot uh, give them tranquilizers because this will make them forgetful of breathing and then they can drown. The most important is to prepare them, to get habituated to the noises and the shaking and the changes that will happen. And then the other key thing is to do the transport water to water as fast as possible. She hopes to have the sanctuary fully open sometime next year, complete with the Center for Veterinary Medical Care, research facilities, and an environmental education center open to visitors. Once it's complete, she wants to use it as a model that can be replicated worldwide. But in Greece, there's a precedent for the kind of work Anastasia does. Two and a half thousand years ago, if you killed a dolphin in ancient Greece, then you would have to face the death penalty because the dolphins were considered sacred animals and the messengers of Poseidon at the time. Many, many things have changed since. We are very proud that we are able to bring for the first time the solution here in Greece and uh, also then share it to the world. It's not a local problem, it's not a Greek problem, it's a global one. But we have to start from somewhere in giving solutions. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Dina Kispe with Amy Walters, Priyanka Tilve, Ney Alvarez, Alexandra Locke, Nagin Eliai, Oni Wohacha, and me, Malika Bilal. Natalia Aldana is our engagement producer. Alex Roldan is the sound designer. Stacey Samuel is the executive producer. And Graylin Bouchier is Al Jazeera's head of audio. Special thanks to Patrice Hastetter, who you heard earlier pointing out the Rizzo dolphin sighting, and to the team of scientists working on this project. To watch their work and the full documentary, we'll post a link in the description page of this episode. We'll be back. 